Welcome to the Jordan Journey Podcast. Each episode, we're going to take you with us on a journey talking with teachers in Jordan School District. We're excited to have you come along for the ride. Welcome again to another episode of The Jordan Journey. I'm Jared Covilli. And I'm Kara Bettis. So Kara, during today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about STEM and kind of how that plays a role in our schools today. Uh, but I know that there's no way four little letters can keep you in. <laughs> so you always want to add that fifth letter and talk about STEAM. Yeah. yeah. Maybe talk about what, how do the arts play a part in this whole thing of Science, technology, engineering, and math. How do you bring art into yeah. it? What's what's that part of you that wants to get your creativity in there? So I just have to say that, like, I don't necessarily see myself as strong in the STEM areas, right? Science, technology, engineering, and math. Um, but I want to be included in the conversation. <laughs> and so when they came up with STEAM and including the arts in it, I was like, yeah, this is my time to shine. Mm. I may not know a lot about the math and science part, but I could make it look pretty. So, <laughs> um, No, but honestly, when I was in high school, I thought about becoming an aerospace engineer. Wow. Um, yeah. And then I realized how much math and science was involved in it. I just, you said, I was told there'd be no math. <laughs> no, it wasn't that. But it was more that I was fascinated with the way space looked. Like, so the Hubble Space Telescope and all the images of... So you like the design elements. The nebulas, the mm. um, far-off galaxies. Like, I was so fascinated by it. Um, and so when we talk about the difference between STEM and STEAM, I think the arts just allow it to... Um, to make those connections to other content areas more explicit, right? It's not just saying like, oh, this is just for a small subset of, of students. This is really for everybody. And you can see those cross-curricular connections so much more apparent than like if you just kept it siloed. What do you, what do you see as the difference between STEM and STEAM? <laughs> do you know, I mean, one thing that I would just say, and I think it kind of echoes some of your comments, Kara, but... I think that when we talk about STEM, so much of it is on problem solving. Mm. And you have to think of creative ways to solve problems. I think if we don't have that element of creativity in the, in the world that we're talking about, that you lose out on a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes I, I think one of the greatest attributes of people who go through STEAM or STEM is that they're flexible. You mm. know, they don't. And that's not something you typically describe as people who like engineering mm -hmm. or math or science but uh, and even technology right mm -hmm. but i think that's one of those things that we really are trying to help kids and adults mm -hmm. to kind of think of the world as being flexible that we yeah. need to think of things in different ways and come up with unique solutions well and i would also add too that the arts and the humanities um allow science and technology to be more uh ethical and humane so if you take the human element out of those things you can go down kind of a really dangerous mm. path in some ways right but if you include the arts and the humanities you realize like what's at the heart of it is humans and we need to keep that human element i think you just described the subplot of every star trek episode <laughs> just so you know Every sci-fi storyline, right? Yeah. What happens when humanity comes out and all that's left? 
Is science ruling the world? <laughs> I mean, it's it's a legitimate thing. When you talk about coding, when you talk about um, like like the recent AI explosion, right? Like th- it's it's coded by a human with biases, and those biases sometimes impact different groups of people differently. And so it's like, well, we need to consider what are the implications of this new technology. Um, what how will this impact not just our country, but like countries around the world that have different values. Um, there's this really interesting video about self-driving cars and how um, the priorities of one government or country is going to be different than the priorities of another one. So you can't like, it's there's things to consider. Well, we'll consider those things later <laughs> as Karen and I try and solve the world's <laughs> challenges related to technology and AI and ethical uses of how we govern planets and govern countries. Why don't we introduce our guest today? (laughs) Yes. We are so excited to have two STEM, and STEM being science, technology, engineering, and math. So two STEM educators with us, Kara Hagman and Kimberly Cosner from Columbia Elementary. Welcome, ladies. Thank Thank you. Um, In unison, listen to that. Yeah, they they got this down. Um, Kara, why don't you give us a quick introduction to yourself and um, what you do? Uh, My name is Kara Hagman, and I am a science specialist at Columbia Elementary School. And I focus mainly on the science standards and incorporating engineering within those standards. Very cool. Well, I was just kind of curious, how how did you come to that position at Columbia? I was lucky enough to have a an administrator when I started eight, nine years ago that has had always wanted a science position mm. specifically. Oh. And she just had a vision and my love is science. I was a middle middle school science teacher to start with in my career. And um, I was just able to I love science, and so when she saw that, she offered me the position, awesome. and I've just been doing it ever since. That's pretty progressive. All grades. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty progressive. Well, I love when admin have a clear vision, and they're able to provide leadership opportunities for yeah. educators to take something that they're passionate about, like you said, Kara, and like make that um, like a shining that's star right. in the school. I think that's really cool. Um, Kimberly, what about you? Brief introduction. Hello, I'm Kimberly Cosner, and I also teach at Columbia Elementary. I am the STEM rotations teacher, and so while Kara focuses on the science and engineering part, I am focusing on the technology portion, and then I try to incorpor- incorporate the science, math, and art into oh, that. Cool. Very cool. And so both of you kind of exist in the STEM field umbrella I don't know what to call it stem area of the world um how do you guys like coordinate do you guys have a shared schedule or like do you plan lessons together or do you kind of exist in like separate mutually exclusive fields I don't know all of the above oh okay that's part of the duties as a sign Kara like we all have that in our job description (laughs) so we definitely plan together um and do like 
we have a glow week coming up as our last week of rotation. So we've planned these fun weeks. Glow week. We got to hear more about this. <laughs> um, so we've planned some fun weeks throughout the year. Um, and then Kara knows the standards kinder through sixth grade. So cool. if at all I have questions, yeah. I go to her and I'm like, hey, how can we do this and incorporate STEM, you know, some technology and whatnot to it. And so we've done a lot of collab lessons too. Oh, way fun. So we want to get to know you guys a little bit beyond your bio. So we're going to ask a little icebreaker question. And this is an impromptu icebreaker question that was not pre-planned before today. You are going to stress people out, Jared. No, no. So if we have our map of the United States and beyond, and you're asked to put a push pin in some of the places that you've called home, what would be some of the places that you would mark? Who wants to go first, Karen? I'll take this one. Um, I will put a push pin in Texas, Massachusetts, Arkansas, Colorado, and Las Vegas, mm. Nevada, and Utah. Wow. I want to know what that acronym is when you spell that out, right? <laughs> yeah. That's got some stuff going on there. How about you, Kimberly? My push pin would be in New York, Florida, and now Utah. Wow. Mine's super boring. It's just Utah. Yeah, would you be able to put, like, pins in different county seats? (laughs) All the most populous ones. Davis, Utah County, and then Salt Lake County. Oh, no, no, no. Do you have? There's so... Oh, don't forget about the metropolis of Nephi. (laughs) A stint in rural Utah and then back up to Salt Lake. That's funny. What about you, Jared? Where would your push pins go? Uh, I'm also pretty boring. Like, I've said this before on the podcast, but... I actually live in the same home I grew up in. That's like I bought, I bought it for cool. my parents when they wanted to travel off to retire. So I bought my childhood home. So my pushpin goes from downstairs to upstairs. <laughs> 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 but I did have a stint where I, I did uh, a church service mission in the Philippines. So uh, I did spend a couple of years abroad. So that was kind of interesting. Do, uh, speaking of abroad, does study abroad count? Like, because a piece of my heart oh, is for where sure. my study abroad is. Okay. Then my other pushpin would go into Norway and Oslo. So Kimberly and Kara, one of the things that uh, we're excited about to talk about today is some of the unique ways that you're reaching out to your community and some of the, the fun things that you've done with STEM in your school buildings. Maybe as we just kind of kick things off just a little bit, maybe tell us a little bit about um, what role you think that STEM should play in school and how it helps kids kind of um, understand different parts of like the world around them. Okay, I'm going to take this one on. <laughs> well, m- I'm going to start off by saying that my master's is in STEM leadership. So I felt oh. feel like I have talked about this a lot with, you know, having that background. But when I was studying my master's, it ta- we talked about how the jobs that are going to exist for our elementary school students don't even exist yet. Right. Um, and so we are kind of blindly preparing them for jobs that aren't even out there. Um, So that's where I think STEM plays an important role is that we need to be preparing them for what jobs might exist. So we need to teach them those problem solving skills, those technological skills, um, those kinds of things so that we can prepare them to, you know, be ready to exist in the world. Your jobs are a perfect example of that. Like imagine if you'd gone, let's go in a time machine back, you know, 15, 20 years ago to an elementary school. And you told somebody you were the STEM specialist. 
they wouldn't even know what to, that right. was. Nope. No. Didn't exist. Had an old computer in my classroom yeah. where we were playing the Oregon Trail. Exactly. So. <laughs> like that was kind of the computer classroom of that mm-hmm. day, right? Was, oh, that's where we play a computer-based game or something like that. No. So how have you seen your job kind of change over this? I guess I should start first. Kara, how long have you been the science specialist at your school? Um, the science specialist, I've, for eight years, okay. I believe. How have you seen it change or um, adapt over the years? Um, I basically went from just teaching science standards mm-hmm. to adding in the engineering component. And then before Kimberly had her job, I also brought in all the STEM tools or the tech tools Mm -hmm. and tried to utilize those at least once a month with the kids um, as well. So before she was here, I basically did it, did all of the STEM program. Yeah. Wow. So in your mind, Kimberly talked about um, like preparing kids for a world that doesn't exist, right? Like getting them not doesn't exist yet. Right. Um, preparing them for a future that like is kind of vague like we're we know that it's going to involve technology but we don't know in what ways so how how do you go about preparing students for that kind of future I think what I think one of the most important skills that kids can learn is perseverance Mm -hmm. and problem solving yes I believe that giving them the opportunity to have to work through problems and to not give up and to just try to give them those skills that allow them to safely, you know, use their innovation and creativity to fix something. Yes. I mean, that's, I believe that's pretty much my job. Yeah. And I love that idea of like you're giving them kind of literally a lab, a laboratory to practice these essential soft skills like perseverance and grit and creative thinking and problem solving, like um, in a way that is comfortable and exciting. Yet they can see those skills transferring when they go into junior high and high school and then post school life. I say this all the time, you know, I think. Sometimes people will ask us in our department, like, what what skills do you have to have in order to teach people how to use technology? And they think we're going to come up with this big, big, long list of, like, programs you need to know Mm -hmm. or certifications you need to have. And I come back to the things that Kara just said. You need to be patient. Mm -hmm. You need to be somebody who can stick with something even when it's hard Mm -hmm. and try and find a solution to it. And those are skills that I love where STEM is trying to encourage that with kids because... Think about all the different tools that you implement in your classrooms. Um, Some of them are tech and some of them aren't tech, but all of them kind of have the same baseline of trying to help kids work through problems or think about how they can do things about it. What do you think about that, Kimberly? Uh, I think that's completely on point. Um, I just kind of think about to when it like COVID hit and everything and how, you know, that patience really played a part in, you know, having to learn the technology Mm -hmm. and, you know, go from one, you know, learning environment to another. Um, But I definitely see it now that our students are back in school and the perseverance and um, the grit that they need to have in order to do their day-to-day tasks. This actually brings to mind one of um, 
the questions that we uh, mentioned earlier, but um, what are some barriers that you've had to help students kind of overcome as you introduce them to STEM tools or STEM concepts? Like, like I imagine kids are pretty like willing to engage, but what if you have a reluctant learner or what if they are kind of like, I don't know how to do this. Like, how do you, how do you overcome those barriers? Karen? Well, and especially at your school, cause you have kids that maybe don't have the same level of access to technology exactly. at home. Right? Yeah. No. So that's one thing that I love about teaching at a Title I school is the kids, we're providing an experience that they don't get anywhere else. Um, they don't have the money to have these tools or exposure to most of these things. So when they see these tools, it's the first time they've seen them. Mm. So I don't really see a lot of barriers. Mm with them because they're so excited to see these mm -hmm. things. Yeah. They want to try and they have no problem jumping in with technology to, mm. to learn. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the thing. I don't see the barriers mm. for them. The barrier is that they don't have the exposure except at school. Um, you, we mentioned earlier, and I don't know if we caught it on the recording, but you have a, a pretty high um, ESL population at your yes, school. Yeah. Um, so how do you overcome language barriers in some instances? Yeah, that was what I was going to add. I was going to say, I feel like the language barrier would be our only barrier, mm. as we do have a lot of Spanish-speaking students, and neither of us have very much Spanish. I'm learning. I'm we trying. both yeah. really want to learn, and yeah, and we definitely try for sure, but I think... The barrier would be that there's a lot like coding is an English language mm. and there's no way to translate that into Spanish. Um, so while the directions could be in Spanish, mm -hmm. the code can't be. And yeah. so that's a barrier that I've discovered this year is mm. and when trying to teach coding because you can't use HTML coding in a Spanish language yeah. because it's an English language. So that for me has been a barrier this year mm -hmm. with the tech side of things. Um, I was thinking... Um, thinking about the math component of STEM and how people say math is a universal language. Do you find that that is the case for your language learners or do you still face that, that language barrier in those instances? Um, if they know the math, mm. it's not an issue. Yeah. yeah, It's whether or not they know the math. Yeah. And I think that's the determining factor. Yeah. Well, I think it's really interesting. Like you said, um, kids are super excited to like try. Um, and this goes back to those essential skills that you guys referenced earlier is that um, if they don't get it the first time, they're willing to try it again and again until they do get it. Right. And it's just a matter of like explicitly, explicitly telling kids that this is this is a good thing. Right. This is a skill that we want everyone to do is that we don't give up. We troubleshoot. We figure it out. We try something else. Um, and and just like not giving up, getting, getting over that, like learned helplessness, yeah. right? Like, oh, if I don't know how to do it, I never will. Like we want to kind of get away from those behaviors. And I'm thinking about something else too, because language barriers, it happens so much when it's kind of teacher-based instruction to kids. But I would imagine in your classrooms that there's a lot of just exploratory learning. Like here's the tool, you teach them a couple little things about how a robot may work or something happens, but then they really learn about it through exploration, mm -hmm. you know, kind of on their own or with their peers. Kara, maybe talk to us a little bit about how your students are learning by doing. 
they are learning by doing. <laughs> they, uh, <laughs> How do you take yourself out of that equation and just kind of turn it over to them? That's really hard. But when you give them, I mean, basically most of the time I just give them the task mm-hmm. or the thing that they're supposed to do. And I just kind of really have to force myself to take a step back and not be like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> but usually mm-hmm. by them continuing to work through the problem they get there with only maybe a few hints i can give an example of this yesterday during our morning (laughs) stem program we have the ozobots or the ozobots however it's pronounced but that's the tech tool that we have so we're incorporating it into our morning stem program and it's a group of fourth graders that we have currently and we were introducing them to the game of pac-man and their Mm. job was to create a maze for their pac-man character to go through and they could not wrap their heads around (laughs) a maze for the ozobot to go through and Kara and I are just sitting there just like scratching our heads and watching (laughs) what they're doing and finally I whip out my piece of paper and I give them an example of what it could look like and then once we gave them you know an example of what it could look like then their creativity just started Mm -hmm. rolling. (laughs) Quite literally, quite literally in that case. Well, yes. isn't that something that all teachers kind of, we struggle with that concept of we don't want to give them too many examples because we don't want kids just to mimic what we showed. Right. But yet kids need a little bit of guidance. I think that's one of the struggles sometimes with problem-based learning, right? Mm-hmm. That If we just give them a problem but don't give them any direction on where this could go, mm-hmm. that's a pretty tall task. I mean, even us as adults, like if I just get, the hardware, but not the instruction manual. Sometimes it's hard to build something, right? If you just can't see it. And sometimes it depends on the student as well. Yeah, like any true. other subject, you mm-hmm. have to scaffold with some students more so than others. Yeah. Perfect time now to go to a commercial break. Are you looking for a way to spark curiosity and confidence, foster collaboration, and build problem-solving skills? The STEM Lending Library can help. We offer a variety of computer science and STEM tools. Microbits, SphereBolts, KivaPlanks, and more can be checked out for three weeks via the STEM Lending Library. These innovative and engaging tools will be sent directly to you through District Mail. You don't even have to worry about leaving your building. To find out more about the STEM Lending Library and learn about more tools that are available, visit computerscience.jordandistrict.org. If you have any questions, please email me, tracy.rinlisbach at jordandistrict.org. Or if that's too much to type, you can find me at computerscience.jordandistrict.org, and I would be happy to help you. Hey, welcome back, everybody, from our lovely commercial break. So we've talked about now how you use STEM with your kids and um, how you can overcome if barriers if there are any with them. How do you take STEM into the community? So every year, one of our biggest nights of the year that the kids in the community look forward to is our annual STEM night, and we use a 
Every year we have a different theme Mm. and all of the grade levels come up with two activities, two STEM activities that they do in their classrooms and the parents are come with their kids and they go from room to room and can experience all kinds of STEM. Oh my gosh, I love that. So it's kind of like a uh, informal like science fair or, or yeah like a stem carnival yeah i would say a stem carnival would be a pretty good um like you know idea yeah. of a vision you know for people to picture what it might look like our first year that we did it it was um astro land because our mascot is cool. the astros oh. and so we kind of played off of you know disneyland and each um classroom or grade level was a different land so yeah. water land so the activities were based off of water um, and we just had different lands and the kids candy land was one of them and the activities stem activities yeah. were candy based um our last year's was the multiverse because you know the avengers and everything mm-hmm. and the multiverse was yeah. really big so it was all superhero themed and that was a lot of fun and and this year we did storybook STEM. So each grade level focused on a book and the STEM activities had to do with that book. That's so great. So do you help the teachers come up with the activities or do the teachers kind of plan the activities that fit in with STEM? We definitely give resources, Mm. but we encourage teachers to try to come up with their own activities because I think it's important that they're, you know, problem solving. Yeah. Kara, you mentioned that um, it's one of the events that like the community looks forward to the most. Like, how did you get it started? Like, how did you get the ball rolling? Well, we had done many STEM nights. Mm. Um, It had to do with, you know, Kimberly joining our school and with Sandy King joining our school. They came to Columbia with this vision Mm. of a bigger, better STEM night, and it just kind of evolved from there. Yeah. So it, it was just adding more adding to what more. we'd done. I like this idea of like the yes and, right? Like from improv, you, you take a concept and you go, and what if we add this? What if we add this? So Kimberly, had you seen it elsewhere and brought the concept with you? Or how did you start that? No, as mentioned previously, my master's is in STEM leadership. And one of the things that they told us to mm-hmm. think about is how could we mm-hmm. take th- you know, the degree and apply it. And yeah. my vision from there was to create a um, STEM night and, and a STEM program, which we have done both at Columbia. And I was in the midst of moving from Florida to Utah. And so it was a pretty hefty wow. um, ask, or you know, to go come to a new school and say, hey, I want to do this. <laughs> um, but thankfully, I had Kara and she has been helpful to help that make that vision come true. So tell us a little bit about the reaction from the community as they've kind of built this, you know, built this into their schedule too every year. Cause I'm assuming you have a lot of families that started with their oldest child. And now you're moving through their children and you're kind of seeing the community keep coming back to this activity. What's been their response? I think it's their most looked forward to event of this school year. We do have another event, and I just I don't see the same turnout at that mm. event that I that we see at our STEM event. And mm. so I I think that's how it's built upon, you know, the communities that we see a bigger turnout from mm. parents and families and students. Because I think that's one of the things about a lot of our um, activities that we do outside of school with our school community is that these things kind of become traditions for them as well, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just something that the teachers and you get excited about, but 
I'm sure you have families that they make sure they write down when STEM night is at Columbia so that they can make sure they attend. Um, thinking about kind of like the benefits of STEM, do you guys have any specific examples of how your programs have empowered students, both academically but also like personally? I try to bring it back to the careers and it, talking to them about, you know, this career needs this type of mm. background. And I try to, um, I highlight or try to highlight a specific STEM career area in mm. my classroom too um, and what their job does and what kinds of real world things they like. So right now there's one who he like, he's an engineer, 3D printer, but he likes soccer. Mm. And so many of our students like soccer too. So tying it back to the things that they like. Good. I love that. So as we kind of start thinking about how other schools could incorporate more STEM into their curriculum or some of the things that they're trying to do, Kara, what would be some of your suggestions to a teacher that's listening to this podcast that just wants to get more involved with STEM in their own classroom? Just try it. Choose one subject or one book and just there's millions of resources available. So look at a book you're already reading and try to use that to incorporate a science standard or to incorporate some kind of building along with that. Um, just start small and grow and collect things. My students, one of my students' favorite activities is to build with cups. Mm. If I give them a choice, STEM building activity, the cups always have to come out. <laughs> they, I mean, it's silly, but they get better and better and better as they play with cups. Yeah. So it's just, if you're reading something about a building, make some buildings. If you're reading something about bridges, make some bridges. Yeah. It's, it doesn't have to be long or hard. Just try. Well, I love this idea, too, that, like, the more you use these tools or resources, they build on each other, right? It's like, oh, I've done this experience. I'm going to take that and then add more and, like, just get more and more complex as they get more comfortable and familiar with those tools and resources. So I love that. Just start, right? Start small and do it often. How about you, Kimberly? I was going to say utilize social media so much is out there currently. There are STEM Facebook pages that you can be a part of and Instagram. There's a huge teacher community on Instagram where I've seen a bunch of ideas and I've been able to play off of those ideas. Um, and then, like Kara said, tying in literacy is a super easy way to incorporate STEM in my mind. Um, for example, the district has the VR headsets and my first year at Columbia we were reading about Antarctica mm. and being at a title one school students had never been to Antarctica sure. or maybe heard about yeah. Antarctica and so I made a playlist on the class VR headsets where we went on a trip to Antarctica um, and so even if you don't have the class VR headsets there are YouTube videos that you could take them and tie into that um, and there's STEM activities that you could completely you know do to incorporate Antarctica into something. So, yeah, I'd say social media for sure has been a huge part of my learning. And well, when you oh, go ahead, Karen. I'm sorry. When you uh, another thing is when you get the tech tools, don't be afraid to 
tie that into another subject. Mm. I mean, Kimberly right now has the Azabots, and she is doing all kinds of things like coding to a, to the different state symbols. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can really do anything with the tech tools. It's all about that creative thinking that we want our students to do. For sure. But we have our teachers doing too. Yeah. I was going to mention that Kara is kind of the, you know, she has the standards down and everything. So she, the brains, and then I'm the creative <laughs> part of it. So definitely. <laughs> well, it sounds like a really great partnership. And that's part of being a part of a good network, right? Mm-hmm. Is that you, you take what you have that you can share and you share that. And then you look for the strengths of others that you can learn from. For sure. Do you know one thing that, as you were talking, Kimberly, a second ago about social media and finding resources in this, um, I know that our district's provided a pretty good resource for a lot of the STEM specialists throughout our district with your PLC. Maybe could you just mention, um, first of all, shout out to all of our STEM specialists across the district who are participating in this. How's that been a benefit to both of you in the work that you're trying to do? It was extremely beneficial when I was first because I started with the first STEM PLC group. So I've been with the STEM PLC program for three years Mm -hmm. now. And just learning about and having access to the tools is amazing. The fact that they, I mean, once a month were sent a different tool to our schools um, to be able to use is was a life changer in my classes. Also, the fact that they can come together once a month and the STEM teachers are able to design lessons and talk about what's working in their classes and what's not working, it really helps to make make for better instruction, STEM instruction in all the schools that are participating. Yeah. When I first started, at Columbia five years ago, the STEM PLC wasn't even a thing. It was mm. Jane and Cami, and we'd meet after school um, and talk about Very STEM tools. <laughs> yeah, it was really small. We'd talk about the tools, and they were more on a checkout basis than a rotation basis. And so it's been really cool to see how the district has evolved um, and recognize that STEM is an important part of these students lives and it's just evolved from there and that's really been really cool to see well we have to get you um back to your stem plc time so um, we want to thank you guys for coming kara as we come to the end of our conversation it's time for a jordan journey pit stop um before we end today um we need to do our pit stop. So do you have anything that you want to do a special shout out for? Oh, this is on me. Okay, <laughs> perfect. Um, yeah, we, Kara and I started a morning STEM program for our fourth and fifth graders mm. at Columbia. So we have fourth and fifth graders that take the time um, and come to school at 730 in the morning, mm. wow. which is before our contract time, you know, before yeah. a lot of students are even awake. Um, so they are committed to learning more and getting to play with the tech tools that we have during that month or just doing some really fun activities that Karen and I have come up with. So, Oh, that's so cute. So what is, is it, does it have a cute little name or is it just the early STEM? We keep saying we need to come up with a name because <laughs> mm-hmm. 
you know, but we we haven't yet. That, that needs nope. to happen. It's just been morning stem since nope. we... Four years of morning stem. What a stem. cute name. <laughs> well, shout out to morning stem and your yeah. awesome students. Um, anyway, we wanted to thank you guys for coming out today and um, sharing everything you learned about your STEM program. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you, ladies. So we just had a great conversation with some of our fantastic STEM educators in our district, Kara and Kimberly. Um, Jared, what were some of your big takeaways from our discussion? So one thing that really surprised me, and I don't know why, but I was so surprised to hear how long they've been doing this. Yeah. You know, that as a school, Columbia decided years and years ago, that they wanted to have more of a focus in this area mm-hmm. because that's not something that necessarily there was budget for yeah. or that there was even like a documentation on how to do this. Mm-hmm. So they really put themselves out there years and years ago and you can see the benefits they're reaping now because mm-hmm. they've been so involved for so long. Yeah. Well, like we talked about the involvement of the community and then as you get more people on board and students have more experience with it, right? Like they start in, kindergarten first grade and they go through their whole elementary system with this like stem emphasis just how much that starts to snowball and sets them up for success in their later schooling and life experience no question about it and and like you just mentioned when we heard about their stem night or their stem mornings Mm. i mean they really are building a tradition of this is part of our school and our community. Yeah. And the community's eating it up. They yeah. seem to really love being part of it. So kudos to them for everything they're doing. Yeah, it's a wonderful program. And, I'm, I'm, and I was so excited for us to be able to spotlight it. No doubt. Well, we hope you enjoyed listening to this episode where we talked about uh, the great STEM and STEAM activities that we're experiencing at Columbia Elementary. And we hope that in your school, you get some of these things going as well. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yep. Thanks for joining us on the Jordan Journey. Great stories from great teachers in Jordan School District. See you on the next trip. <laughs> <laughs>